Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about fall herbicide spraying. This is something we've done on our farm for many, many years now, mainly for the residual benefits, but also when it comes to like no-till and strip-till, burning down some of the winter annual weeds and perennials. So this can be a very important treatment for your farm. If you've got any questions about that or anything else that's going on in your operation, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. You know, we've been talking about fall herbicide spraying off and on, and many of the times that we've been talking about it lately, it's been an answer to somebody's question. And we are taking your calls and questions again, 844-44-AG-PHD. And... A lot of these questions are, hey, I've got mare's tail, I've got dandelion, I've got, you know, something out in the field that's a winter annual weed and going to be a problem for me early season next year. When do you think the best time to spray that would be? Well, I look at it this way. Think about when is that weed most actively growing? Probably right now. When do we have the best shot of that herbicide getting into the plant? You know, I'll take my chances with 70 or 80 degrees in the fall versus... 50 or 60 or maybe 40 at night in the in the early spring uh, you just have such a great shot plus that weed's smaller now if it's a winter annual and that's just getting going there are so many reasons why spraying in the fall is a good thing but the reasons why people don't spray including us it's well we don't want to stop the combine oh no we can't do that come on how many acres can you get sprayed in a day you can spray a ton and you get a nice afternoon where the wind's not blowing and it's warm man you can cover so many acres so fast pick the worst fields you got for weeds get them sprayed out in the fall and then see what a difference it makes on your farm and i almost guarantee you Once you see that, you're going to say, well, no problem. I can always make time for fall spraying. I know we're always in a rush to to get harvest done, but this is one of those jobs that it just pays so well to get that done. Now, the other question that we get a lot is if I do spray and I put a residual out there, like say I go with fall valor and I go with four ounces of valor in the fall. It works fantastic, by the way. But say I go with four ounces of valor in the fall. Will that still work for me in the spring? Sure. You're still going to get activity out of it in the early spring in many cases. Now, if you're in the southern United States and that ground isn't going to freeze at all, the valor is going to be worn off by the time your spring crops in and you're really counting on it for getting you to crop canopy weed free. But if you're in the north and you're spraying it the 1st of October and you say, you know, I probably got one month until this ground is frozen. And then in the spring, by the time the ground thaws out, I'm going to be planting within two or maybe three weeks at the most. But it isn't a whole lot of time for that valor to break down. So your odds of getting some use out of that valor are pretty strong in the spring. So there are there are a lot of benefits to this. It certainly can be part of your spring herbicide program. But man, is it going to do a number on some of these tough winter annual weeds. Biggest mistakes that we commonly see, number one is not using the right product. 
you got to make sure that whatever you're using, it does get your target weed or weeds. Uh, two, not using the right rate. Darren mentioned four ounces of Valor. Don't use the two or three ounce rates. Don't do it. It only costs a tiny little bit more to go to four ounces. And now you've really got something. And then the third thing is if you're trying to burn down existing weeds, let's say it's a winter annual like mare's tail, henbit, uh, pennycress, or even a, a perennial like dandelions you got to find a 70-degree day. If you're out there spraying when it's 50, it's not going to work very well. It just isn't. Find a day that's 70 degrees, then it works great. And I would say, too, with mare's tail, because that's probably the number one winter annual weed that we talk about throughout the year, a quart of Banville in the fall is fantastic. That wiped out that weed entirely off our farm for a couple of years. So court to Banville in the fall if you're going to corn in the spring. And the reason why, oh, corn or extend beans. And the reason why I say that is it's possible that that Banville could hang around all the way into spring if you spray late enough. Now, it shouldn't, but it's a possibility. So I'd be careful about what you're rotating to. But to corn or to extend beans, absolutely no problem. Court to Banville works great. You know, there are a lot of things that you can do in the fall when you've got some time between when crops are going to be planted. The other thing that you've got going for you is think about how many soybeans still have leaves on them in your area this time of year. Chances are not too many. And when you're out spraying that burn down, you're not as worried about leaf cupping and some of those things. I mean, obviously you want to spray when the winds are down. You want to use the right nozzles. You want to do everything you can to get great control. Uh, and you want to keep that product in your field because, hey, you paid for it. You want to use all of that product to kill weeds. But you do have a lot less issues with any kind of off-target movement when you're spraying in the fall. Plus, it's not as humid, not as volatile uh, a weather as it is in the midsummer. So lots of things going for you in the fall. The other thing you can do with your adjuvant load or even in some cases with fertilizer that you want to be putting out there, there are a lot of these products that could be mixed potentially with a uh, you know, a, a really harsh additive that you normally wouldn't use in crop. Um, you know, if you're just putting out pre-emerge products, you certainly could be going out there with a, a fertilizer of some source. You do want to be careful, though, if you're talking about Roundup. Liquid nitrogen is not a good carrier for Roundup. It greatly decreases the activity of that Roundup and, uh, as we probably mentioned, to frost. You just want to watch it. If you've already had a hard-killing frost, you're not going to do a great job on some of those weeds with Roundup anymore. And that's where, like Brian was saying, you utilize something like the dicamba or a Safe 240. All right, we're going to talk about fall herbicide spraying on today's program. We're also going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And don't forget, we've got an email address too, and we do get quite a few emails each day. It's kind of a nice way if you've got a picture that you want to send us, if you've got a spreadsheet. Oh, no. Yes, yes, I know. We get spreadsheets. Uh, and that, that's okay. We can we can take a look at that. Or uh, if you want to show us soil samples, that's probably the best way to get the soil sample. You can always follow up with a call too. Uh, Janelle's pretty easy to work with on that. If you've got a soil sample you want to send us and then call to, to visit about, that's a great way too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, talking about fall herbicide spraying. And I would say the number one product that we get questions on in terms of residual products is Valor. And we've got Trevor Dale with Valent on right now to talk about that a little bit, and and probably even more, Trevor. I'm sure you're prepared with multiple things to talk about, not just Valor. <laughs> that's right darren it's something i'm pretty passionate about so. you know you've been talking about fall herbicide spraying for a long long time saying man you guys gotta try it you gotta get more farmers into this because it's really really working and i say man it's kind of you're kind of hurting yourself trevor because when we do such a great job in the fall there aren't as many weeds for you to clean up with those expensive products in season yeah well and it's you know, getting more and more to where those expensive products aren't cleaning them up quite as well as one might expect or that they used to. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, started out in crops where you really didn't have much for post or in-crop options or they, they just weren't very effective on the weeds. And so um, I've been getting more calls on fall valor questions than anything else right now so all right so what are the tricks to making it work trevor and when you think about different crop rotations that you may be going into i suppose there's a little bit different recommendation if you're going into corn or you're going into soybeans or wheat or or a different crop yeah really um for corn wheat soybeans sunflowers um, there, there's, there's a number of the major crops where you can, you can go up to four ounces and that's what I'm recommending. And, uh, it, it's, it's just very flexible. There, there are a couple of them where you're limited to three ounces and, and even two in some cases, but it's really few generally speaking. And, um, 
tips for success. I mean, the one thing that um, I, I've run into in the past is guys will be like, well, I don't really need the Roundup and the Dicamba or 2,4-D. It doesn't look like there's anything out there. And I'm telling you, I don't know where they come from or where they're hiding, but they're almost always out there. And so I, I always recommend to keep those, those burned-down products in the mix. And um, once guys try it, they very, very rarely go away from it. Yeah, I agree with you on adding in the Roundup. We saw a lot of guys this year when Roundup got a little expensive, maybe a little tight to get in some areas. They said, you know, I don't really need the Roundup, mm -hmm. but it really does a pretty nice job. And even if you don't see a lot of the weeds, many times they might be an inch or less tall. And unless you're really out there looking hard, you might not notice them. And they're there, and they, they will look they're really, there. really bad a few weeks later if you don't get them sprayed. Yep, yep. And we've even gotten, uh, you know, a few people starting to, like in, in wheat and I guess a number of other crops that are not Roundup ready where they're starting to look at fierce, uh, where it's providing some wild oak control, some foxtail control, um, some cheatgrass uh, control. So um, I, I we're really getting into two separate categories there where Valard does provide some grass suppression um, but if you're really fighting those which they are in some places I mean you, you take kochia that's glyphosate resistant now it's also kind of oxen resistant at least in some spots and certainly ALS resistant so there's not a lot of options in crop anymore and the grass control is the same thing. You've really been relying on ACCase inhibitors and ALS inhibitors for quite a few years. And so what they're seeing is just um, overall better weed control when you start with either Valor or in some cases Fierce in the fall. And, you know, you think about the two to three ounces of Valor that a lot of guys are really happy with in the spring. When when you can use four ounces in that fall burn down, the weed control has just been fantastic. And that's a great place to start here on fall herbicide spraying. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Really appreciate uh, uh, getting a chance to talk with you from time to time. So we'll be in touch again soon. Thank you, Darren. You bet. I uh, got Dan Barron on right now with New Farm to talk a little bit too. Dan, how you doing? Doing great. How are you today? I'm doing well. I was thinking it had to be music to your ears hearing Trevor say, you know what? Fall Valor is great. We love mixing some 2,4-D or dicamba or different products in there. Weed Master uh, that that would be a good good helper to to burn down some of those weeds that are up and and give you a little more residual too. I know you'd written an article for us in the Ag PhD Insider magazine too, talking through some of these different options. Uh, this popularity of fall herbicides brand it's getting pretty good. It sure is. And, you know, you think about areas where the fall application really give you a bang for the benefit. That kosher country is certainly one of them. You know, there's a lot of key weeds that we can get a, a real foothold up if we get after them in the fall. So in kosher country, you know, the Flumioxazin, Panther, Valor, that works great. But don't forget about some of the other weeds that might be up. And that's where your Weedmaster and Burnmaster really are a nice fit to 
pull down some of the broadleaf weeds that might begin to start in their fall growth. All right, talk to us a little bit about those products. When when we think about that that family of chemistry, uh, guys say, "Well, man, I've been using them. I've got to use a little stronger rate, though." So what what are you noticing versus uh, what it was maybe five or ten years ago? Yeah, so a couple of things. I, I think that fall burn down with just a dicamba or a two four D, you know, work pretty well on on some of the weaker weeds. But as we've seen more. Uh, perennials start to show up or maybe some shifts i really like the combination products that would bring in both a 24d and a dicamba like Weedmaster, which is the amine version or burn master which is an ester version as we get into the fall i really like the ester formulations they're going to perform a little better in the cool weather they're a little more friendly when it comes to tank mixing across to a wide range of products as well you know, you think about that as we get into the fall, when things start getting a little bit cooler, I know Roundup's effectiveness drops off pretty dramatically after we've had a first hard-killing frost, but the, the 2,4-Ds and the dicamba still work quite well. Yeah, they really do. And, you know, talking about those initial light frosts, I know down here in Iowa started to see a little frost here this week. Um, you know, it's not time to put the sprayer away yet, especially if you're battling things like dandelion uh, certainly Canada thistle actually becomes more susceptible if you can catch a light frost and get out there after that occurrence. So, uh, you know, some of the weather patterns here are really setting up the weeds for, uh, you know, a good couple of weeks ahead of us here for fall spraying. Yeah, I think so too. We, we, I was just chatting with that, uh, this morning, we we're looking at our harvest and our fields and man, we got some nice warm weather coming here for another week at least. And uh, it's a good time to get some of these jobs done. Uh, we're talking with Dan Barron here with new farm, Dan, when you're trying to get the most out of these, I know a lot of guys are used to spraying in, in list crops or in extend crops, but some of those nozzles have not been really friendly for weed control how about when you're spraying something like a burn master or a weed master we're using these 2,4-D dicamba combinations for fall burn down yeah you know if they're extra coarse and maybe really you know large droplet size maybe you could take it down a notch and get to maybe a more medium uh, droplet size the nice thing about your dicamba and 2,4-D they are pretty forgiving on uh, droplet size as opposed to maybe some more of the contact herbicides but yeah it might not be a bad time to uh, up the volume or get a smaller droplet, especially if you're trying to push through some some fall residue, you know, heavy corn residue and things like that. You might run into a coverage issue. So that's a great point to try to optimize that sprayer setup to to get through maybe the a lot of the residue that's out there. And those small winter annuals might be under the under the residue. So yeah, if you can get it, get those droplets down, that's going to help certainly with the uh, foliar products like the Weedmaster, Burnmaster, the Dicamba 240s. You're exactly right, Dan. The small weeds are hiding out under some of this residue as we just got harvest done, leaves dropped off the beans, or there's corn leaves and stalks chopped up on the ground. You don't see them, but they are coming. And to get good coverage and get those weeds under control is a big deal. Talking with Dan Barron here with New Farm. And Dan, i got to give you a hard time. You're the bearer of bad news. It's not time to put the sprayer away yet. You're absolutely right, though. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. You bet. Thanks, guys talking about fall herbicide spraying and taking your calls and questions on today's program. Stay tuned. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay. Veltima fungicide. 
no, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tougher weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about fall herbicide spraying, but we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Got Matt Jenkins on right now with FMC to talk a little fall herbicide spraying. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so as we're talking about fall herbicide spraying, first of all, let's just set the table here. Why would a farmer consider spraying in the fall, and where would he see the biggest benefit? Well, there'd be a lot of reasons, but some of the biggest ones would be, you know, to control those hard-to-control winter annuals like uh, dandelion as well as maristel, and then even a weed like purple dead, dead nettle, which can be a host for a soybean cyst nematode. And, you know, particularly in those fields that we're planning to – you know, plant early, those would be fields that we'd like to have a fall applied herbicide on. 
Okay, you mentioned, mentioned purple dead nettle. I think this is a great one because we haven't really made this point. You've got a weed that's known to be a host to soybean cyst nematode. And we think about all the guys that tuck cover crops and say, man, we got to have a living host out there in the field. And that really helps our microbial populations grow and, and be sustained. Doesn't that make sense? If we've got a weed that's hosting nematodes, that that's helping these nematode populations get along too. So that, boy, that should be enemy number one. Yeah, certainly. You know, I would agree with that as well. All right, so you mentioned mare's tail and dandelion, and certainly we get a lot of calls and questions about these in the spring, and they are really tough. Man, they got great big root systems underneath them. What does it take to kill them in the fall? What's been your experience? Are they are they easier to kill in the fall, or is it still a tough weed? Yeah, certainly. You know, they're still tough to kill, but they're much, much easier in the fall. Um, you know, we think of something like dandelion. It's much easier. You know, it hasn't had time to develop, you know, that big taproot. And then, you know, same thing for mare's tail. We know it's much easier to control when it hasn't started the bolt yet, and that's something that it hasn't done um, until the following spring. Now, when you think about, like you talk about mare's tail, and most farmers would agree Roundup just isn't working anymore. I know there's a lot of resistance out there. And uh, what does it take to kill a mare's tail in the fall? Do you, do you use just burn down and that's all you're worried about, or why are residuals important to have too? Well, certainly use a burn down to kill, you know, the existing plants that are up there, uh, you know, that are up right now. But then having something like an Authority XL or Authority First uh, tank mix in that to help give you that residual control in the spring is a great option. You know, as as you think about those products, we, we talk about a lot using pre-emerge residual herbicides in the spring. What has been your experience? Is there a date in the fall where you say, hey, if you spray it after this date, you can really count on a lot more in the spring? Or uh, do, you, do you not really worry about that? What What's kind of setting the timing up for your fall applications on residuals? Yeah, as far as residual goes, I don't think there's really, you know, a set date, you know, as far as the calendar. I think we want to look at... Uh, you know, soil temperatures, make sure that our soil temperatures are 55 degrees and falling so that way we don't have that microbial breakdown of those residual herbicides and that way we can ensure they're going to be there uh, in the following spring to give us that residual control. Interesting. Okay. I like having numbers. That that always makes it easier to, to manage on things. How about rates? We were talking about fall valor earlier and Trevor Dale with Valence said, well, in the fall, a lot of guys are using four ounces. Are you able to use a lot stronger rate in the fall or, or how do you how do you set that rate structure up? Well, so as far as something like, you know, Authority um, XL, we recommend anywhere from four to six ounces. And um you know, and, and a lot of that's just going to depend on kind of, you know, where you're going, you know, for the next season. Um, you know, and then if you're using something uh, like uh, Authority MTZ, you know, we want to make sure that if we're going to rotate into corn, we're not using over 14 fluid ounces of that. You know, you mentioned uh, these residual products. I'm thinking about just killing weeds and burning them down, too. A lot of guys have been liking to put AIM in. What's been your experience on some of these winter annual weeds? Is that a good helper with the fall burn down? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, uh, you know, we always kind of want to spray when it's warmer out and things like that. You know, that's always the idea. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know, weather has other plans. So, We've seen tank mixing AIM with auxin-based herbicides, uh, you know, improves our quality of control when the weather gets a little cooler. 
Yeah, I like heating things up and and trying to get the most out of it. I think about products like Authority. Just the Authority portion of that alone, the the um, active ingredient there, it's got some nice burn down activity to it. Especially if we can heat it up with some oils or uh, a little bit of nitrogen, something like that. What do you like to heat up Authority, and and what do you like in terms of nozzles and spray coverage and so forth? Well, I, I you know a crop oil, uh, you know it's, it's always done really well. Um, you know, a nice flat fan nozzle, you know, it is, is contact uh, compound. So we want to make sure we're getting good, even coverage. And, you know, with that, we want to make sure that, you know, in the fall, we're going a little bit slower. Um, you know, we've increased our gallons per acre, you know, especially with something that's got residual to make sure that we can get enough of that product into the soil. Yeah, lots of little things there that go into being successful. And uh, I think about this too, you want to make sure that that you're getting this done and the best weather that you can. We're, we're getting a nice little boost here. And I'm thinking about Saturday. Oh, it's supposed to be really nice and sunny and warm. And it's also a great day for combining, but, but sometimes you just got to shut that combine down for a few hours, knock this fall spraying out. Uh, Matt, anything we left out, anything else you wanted to bring up today? Uh, no, I think we've covered a lot of the basics for fall herbicide spraying. Well, again, we're talking with Matt Jenkins with FMC. Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Brian, we we talked through quite a few points here, and one that I thought was really good that Dan Barron had made was just about, you know, you got some residue out there, and uh, whether you harvested soybeans or corn or wheat or whatever the crop was, uh, there can be little weeds hiding underneath some of that residue. Getting good coverage is going to be a big thing with with residuals and with burn down options. And uh, I know Trevor had made this comment too. He's like, "Gosh, guys want to leave Roundup out sometimes, but it seems like every time we do, there's some weeds that are already up that we miss that we would have been happy to have in the the Roundup or the the 24D or Dicamba type option as well." Yeah, it's good to burn down what's there already. And like we talked about earlier, there are a lot of winter annuals. There are a lot of perennials. I mean, if it's a summer annual, who cares? It's going to die off here soon. I mean, as long as it doesn't go to seed, no big deal. But yeah, these winter annuals and perennials or biennials, I mean, they're they're tough. And like I said earlier too, you want to spray on the warm day. And then if if it is a weed that Roundup will work on, great. Otherwise, there's always Dicamba, 2,4-D, plenty of other choices. Hey, we had a um, caller that, that didn't want to be on the air, uh, Travis, down in southwest Iowa. I guess you want to – is this technically mailbag, Janelle, or are we already are we rolling in mailbag here? It's the mailbag! All right. Uh, Ed, Travis had called in, and he said – uh, he likes using Roundup, and he likes to spray at least field borders for problem weeds, or sometimes he's out spraying in waterways or fence lines for problem weeds. I think that's a great point, Travis. We see a lot of the weed problems getting started around the outside edges of fields. Sometimes fall spraying might not mean spraying the entire field with the residual. It might just be burning down some of the winter annuals around those borders. Yeah, what he's talking about there, we've done that around the borders of our fields for 25 years now at least, every spring though, rather than the fall. If you want to do it in the fall, fine. But our challenge is we're we're usually facing summer annual weeds, and we want to get ahead of them before they really take off. But yeah, those are typically the worst areas of fields. So if you were going to spray in the fall, rather than just spraying Roundup, you could always throw some more residual out there around those borders too. 
One other thing I want you to think about, and I know this is a little off topic, the outside rows, it's just the outside two, three, four rows, they're going to get more sunlight. And so like on our own farm, we are bumping the planting population in at least the outside couple rows for corn, and we're throwing more fertility out there too, because if you actually do a yield check just on the outside row or the second row in on your corn, you might be surprised, but you might have 300, 350, 400 bushel corn. I know it's going to seem absolutely crazy what I'm saying, but check it once and you'll see what I'm talking about. So that's why we want to have such great weed control there, along with a little extra fertility to support all that yield. We're going to talk more about fall herbicide spraying and also take your calls and questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Stay tuned. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get maximum seed to soil contact and maximum germination with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Plus, with 10% off while supplies last, you can fully upgrade your planter for less. Just go to farmshopmfg.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. We've been talking fall herbicide spraying on the show today. And Brian, we had this question come in. This is from Bill down in western Tennessee. So, guys, I've got a field that's been CRP now for a number of years. I'm changing it back to crop production. I want to plant corn out there. How can I clean up the field? It's, uh, and this is a quote, really nasty. Well, wait, really nasty with what? Well, he doesn't say what the weeds are. That's the that's the challenge here, um, Bill. What what weeds have you got specifically? But if it's been CRP, he says for five years, uh, it's been out of production. So odds are we got some perennials out there um, in the field, and now we got a shot to do it. It's in West Tennessee, so we still got some warm days where we could potentially get a spray out there. They could wipe them out. I'm thinking about Roundup, Brian. I, I guess wouldn't you just start with a Roundup application? Yep, probably just straight Roundup, highest labeled rate. If you hit it hard with Roundup, then you let it sit for a while. You can go do tillage. You could go do conventional till, strip till, whatever you want. Personally, we like doing strip till into that just because it can be really rough out there a lot of times if it's been CRP for a while because you get all kinds of animals out there. So that's at least our experience with CRP. So that's why we like doing some tillage. I just don't like to do full tillage because then you you start to disintegrate or deteriorate some of the organic matter that you've been building over the last five years. So that's where I like strip till personally. Some people no till right into it. You can do whatever you want. But yeah, I'd probably go high rate of Roundup. And then I'm going to make sure that I use a good pre-emerge herbicide and post-emerge. Personally, I like status if I've got a weed disaster. That's usually a little bit better than the HPPDs. Throw, if you can, throw just a little bit of atrazine with it next year. But yeah, for this fall, Roundup's usually the way to go. Here's the other thing I'm thinking about here, Bill, insecticide. At planting time, that is going to be a must. You're going to see wireworms. You're going to see a lot of other bugs out there. And you may say, ah, oh, it hasn't had corn for a long time. Yeah, and, and there may be some things, maybe some things yeah. like rootworm that aren't as big a deal or even corn borer potentially, but but certainly you're going to have a lot of those seed-attacking bugs out there, so make sure you're using some insecticide uh, likely right in the furrow to protect your seed. Thanks for the question. We appreciate it. Let's head over to Georgia. got our friend Eric Prostko with us with the University of Georgia right now talking a little fall herbicide spraying. Eric, thanks for joining us. Yes, guys. How are you doing today? Good, good. Now, with fall in South Dakota, a little bit different than fall in Georgia, but let's say you get your primary crops out and you got a little bit of time before the next crop. It does offer a great window of time there to knock some tough weeds out. Oh, it sure does, especially with our corn crop. We get our corn off you know, at least a month ago or so, maybe more, and then we won't get a frost until, if we get a frost, until the middle of November. So there's an ample time there to do stuff in the fall. We're particularly going after weeds like uh, pigweed uh, that emerges later in the, in the corn crop. And then we have a weed called tropical spiderwort or Bengal dayflower that causes this problem. Uh, that's another weed we try to target in the fall, uh, particularly after corn harvest. So, yeah, we've got a lot of time uh, usually in the fall to do something uh, for those troublesome weeds if we need to. Okay, now with a hurricane coming up from the south with that kind of weather, that kind of rainfall at this time of year, does that change things? For, I mean, obviously, a hurricane, not a good thing, but in terms of right. weed control and what's going to happen after that, uh, does does it make it a lot tougher or, or alter anything? Well, it might. It depends, right? Well, first of all, we're lucky. It seems to have moved to the east a little more. 
So where, where I'm at right now, we're only going to maybe get a little bit of wind and maybe a little bit of rain. It's supposed to go more out towards the coast. So we do, we dodged dodge the big bullet because that could put a, a big problem on our peanut and cotton harvest and as well as our pecan harvest is starting now. So those were the big concerns with the hurricane right now. But after the hurricane, they'll probably be you – know, we've got uh, pecan trees and pine trees all over the place. So people will probably have to deal with debris in fields possibly uh, – those kind of issues, but uh, for weed control, not really that big of a deal, unless unless we get ten inches of rain or something like that, and somebody was trying to get in the field and we can't get in the field. Sure, sure. Now you mentioned pigweed control and and mm-hmm. pigweed popping mm-hmm. up late. Uh, that is mm-hmm. a question that a lot of farmers up in the north have. Okay, how do they fight water hemp and and uh, Palmer pigweed and tough weeds like that if you don't get six months of frozen weather like we've got in the north? <laughs> Are you literally having to put residuals out there all the time, or is there a point where uh, they just don't have many emerge in in a few months of the year? Well, we'll still get emergence through the fall until it gets starts to get colder for us not you know our cold is not your cold so typically we could still have emergence theoretically up until we get a freeze but we'll see some now until about the middle of november and then we don't really see much um, germination in emergence say through no uh, november through january february but it starts to come up again in february uh in some cases in february and march and that's when we we start planting corn around here so there's a couple of months where we we're not worried about it so much, but uh, it's probably a nine-month week at some point that we got to worry about. So the fall, in fact, the fall is an excellent time. We have been trying to get our corn growers to do something in the fall, uh, particularly in fields after after they've harvested where they haven't gone to seed, and they can get in there and work on uh, keeping those plants from producing seed and, and uh, keep that seed from filling up the, the seed bank. Yeah, the weed seed bank is is a big issue, and I know we see it up here where we have uh, drown out spots in fields, and eh, you get no weed control out there. You have no crop canopy, and the weeds take over. It seems like you end up fighting those spots for at least five years in many oh, cases. It's tough. oh yeah, it's, you know just you know, it, there. You guys might remember probably this was several many years ago. We were talking more about how many weeds we could tolerate in a field economically. Well, now it's like we don't want any in the field because if we leave any in the field, they're going to produce seed, and that's just going to hurt us for the next how many years. So our, our philosophy's kind of changed where we, we really want to work on the keeping weeds from producing seed and trying to deplete the seed bank if we can as, as fast as possible. You know, you mentioned that. Brian was just talking about this the other day. He said, man, just imagine five pigweeds get away in your field and they put a million seeds on each one. Oh, yeah. my goodness, you got yeah. five million weeds. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, back to, back to, that's what we tell everybody around here, just that, well, well, two things. If you see a pigweed in a field now, that could be the one plant out of a million or a billion or whatever the genetics is that's resistant to whatever we did. So you need to pull it out for that reason, especially if it's going to produce, that could be that plant that produces the seed uh, that becomes our next problem. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Okay, so when we think about these these fall treatments, is 2,4-D or dicamba one of the ingredients that goes in with a lot of these fall burndown type products? Well, typically, again, because we're focusing on Palmer amaranth and tropical spider water, Bengal dayflower, depends on where you're at, what they call it. We tend to use a lot of gramoxone. We use a little bit of 2,4-D. Uh, we're trying to get some of our growers to put out uh, 
some tricor or metribuzin as well. And if the rotation allows us, we also have wild radish. So that would keep wild radish from emerging throughout the fall, which uh, that's become a, becoming more of a problem year-round. It used to be a winter annual, but now it's basically an all-the-time annual. So we use a lot of Gramoxone, 2,4-D, a little bit of Sencor, uh, maybe some Group 15s, depending upon uh, what we're going after. So it just depends on the situation. How about cover crops? Are guys using those for weed control too? Yep, some some of our guys are using cover crops. We've been promoting um, the cereal rye cover crop in the fall. Well, a well-managed cereal rye, good seeding rate, a, a little bit of nitrogen to try to get as much cover as possible because that really helps with Palmer amaranth in the spring. But you guys probably know dealing with cover crops it's kind of uh, part art, part science. You just can't jump right into it. You got There's a lot of equipment hiccups that you got to go through. And so not everybody does it, but there are a few guys that have kind of mastered that technique, and it's been very helpful for, for managing uh, Palmer in particular. Yeah, I just think all options need to be on the table for some yeah, of these well, weeds. That, that, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because when we, we talk about pig, some really pigweed, but it could go for almost every weed, you know, using all the tools in our pocket, whether it's tillage, cover crops, herbicides, cultivation, hand weeding, uh, whatever it takes to get the job done. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we're talking with Eric Prosco here at University of Georgia. Eric, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck with your fall spraying down in Georgia. Hey, thank you, and you guys have a great day. Bet. You too. Talking fall herbicide spraying here, but we're going to dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pantair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles. The ideal nozzle for dicamba and 2,4-D applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pantair.com Hypro. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. 
Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and we're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got this email that came in, radio at agphd.com from Matthew down in southeastern North Carolina. Matthew says, guys, I'm in southeastern North Carolina and wondering what would be a good burn down with residual to plant wheat into? I'm thinking about going with Roundup mixed with Sharpen. Just curious if you've had experience with that, if you think it's a good way to go, or if there's something else I should be looking at. What weeds? Doesn't mention weeds. Okay. Well, and here's here's the good point well, here, Matthew, because when you look at Roundup plus Sharpen, uh, we're going to do a good job burning everything down that's not Roundup resistant. Plus, we've got Sharpen in there that's going to have burn down on broadleaf weeds and give you good broadleaf weed residual but not grass residual. Right. So if grasses are your main concern, we may have some other options for you. But in terms of, hey, if broadleaves are your worst problem, and you say, guys, I got a broadleaf issue out here, this would be the best way to go. And I'd probably look at two ounces of Sharpen and however much Roundup you need to burn down whatever's up. Yeah, it's just if there's grass, then I'd throw Prepare in rather than the Sharpen. Or you could do prepare in addition to the sharpen, but that would give you some residual on a bunch of grass species and non-ALS resistant broadleaves. Now in Roundup and Sharpen, MSO and a little bit of ammonium sulfate seems to really help things out. Anything that you would do different in a fall application, I mean, to me that oil no. really helps the sharpen and it actually helps the Roundup too. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's exactly what I would do. And then and, gallons of water. Here's one thing that earlier in the show somebody said, oh, I like more gallons of water with this. Uh, with Roundup, I don't necessarily like more gallons of water. I mean, you have to have enough gallons of water to get good coverage with the Sharpen and, and get that spread out and everything. But I find 10 gallons to be plenty. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm not going lots of, of water. Now, I don't know how big these weeds are going to be. So I don't know when you harvested. I don't know. I, I don't know much here based on the question. But I, I would say, yeah, keep your water volume down. And usually that's going to work out pretty well. Now, when you go 10 gallons of water, you can't run 12 pounds of spray pressure or something. But use the right nozzle. Use the right pressure. You'll be fine. All right. Mike uh, had a couple of comments about yellow nut sedge. And, you know, when it comes to killing yellow nut sedge, 
that is just a little bit different recommendation than grasses that we're talking about. Here's one of the things that I would say on yellow nutsedge. Let's say this is out in your actual field. This isn't like in a wetland or something like that. Yellow nutsedge competes very favorably against almost anything when you get into ground that's a little on the soggy side. And so we see it in... Uh, parts of the field that maybe need some drainage improvements. That's been one of the better ways of keeping yellow nutsedge out. But I even see it out in people's lawns where water tends to sit more or if they're over watering, those types of things. Yellow nutsedge could be a problem. Mike says, I, I'm just letting it go right now with, with other native grasses out there and uh, it's just going to get grazed or whatnot. Uh, but there are other watery plants out there in, in these low-lying areas. How do you get some of those under control? You know, it, it really depends on, on um, what you're looking at, Mike, for desirable vegetation. So let's just say there's no desirable vegetation. You want it all gone. Uh, there, there are a few different options. Now, Roundup isn't necessarily the best on nutsedge. It's not bad, though. I mean, we have actually gotten a kill with with Roundup on nutsedge okay. on our farm, keep the water volume really low. Yes, that would be the key. And I would say go to the lowest labeled rate of of water. And I think it's three gallons per acre, but you can consult the, the label on this. And the other thing is I'd probably use if you've got, say you have a, a stream or a river or a, a lake right by where you're spraying here, then I'd go with the aquatic labeled glyphosate products. So something like Rodeo, for example, and that would be good. But Let's say that you've got desirable vegetation out there. And you're like, oh, no, no, I just want to kill this one weed, but not the others. Then it gets to be a little bit tricky when you're down in those areas. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, just like it is with any herbicide. If you've got a crop out there, then you got to pick the right herbicide. So when it comes to nutsedge, we like dual pre-emerge. We like... Lattic or Bassagran post-emerge, depending on the crop that you're raising. And then Permit is also not too bad. The big thing that we usually will talk about, though, is poor drainage. So whenever I hear the words yellow nutsedge, my first thought is we got to fix the drainage. That could mean tile, could mean reducing compaction, could mean adding more calcium, could mean building soil organic matter. I mean, those are all steps you could take to improve drainage on your farm. All right, you oh, and by the way, when I'm talking drainage, and I, I should have clarified, I'm talking subsurface drainage. I'm not talking about surface drainage. That's a different deal. What we're trying to do is lower the water table. Yellow nutsedge can survive at least halfway as well in high water tables. Corn, soybeans, wheat, just about any other crop can't. So I'm not it's saying, oh, get rid of the surface water faster. I'm saying your internal drainage, and that's where tiling, calcium, improving your organic matter levels, and reducing compaction, that's where all those things can help. All right, got a fertility question here. This one's from Scott, and he said, guys, my question is whether it's beneficial for us to broadcast potash in the fall versus broadcasting it in the spring. I'm also wondering if we run the risk of potassium leaching or if it's better if I just move it down into the soil profile just a little bit in the late fall or early spring. We're farming in central Ontario. Our annual precip is around 26 inches and our organic matter 2.5 to 3.5 and CEC around 10. Right now our base saturation of K is anywhere from 2 to 5%. Okay, when you have a CEC of only 10, you have relatively light ground, not 
pure sand or anything, but it's relatively light ground. We farm just a little bit of that as well. I'm not too worried about the, the little bit of potassium you're going to put out there leaching away. With a CEC of 10, you don't need much to raise your base saturation percentage to get it to where you want. So I prefer fall application, but when I say fall, I mean late fall. I'm not talking about fall as in September 21 and you still have two months to go. I'm talking about early November or, you know, just soon, not all that long until you freeze up. So it's different in the northern United States or in Canada as opposed to the southern United States where they have a lot more growing season and a lot more time where the ground is not frozen. So if you think about Ontario, just like we have here in South Dakota, the ground's frozen for several months out of the year. So when you put it out there, let's call it in early November, it would be just like putting it out almost like putting it out in the spring because of the frozen ground. So anyway, no, I, I do it and get it done. You can't get carried away. I'm not putting a thousand pounds on or anything like that. But if you're putting some potash on in the fall, you're going to be fine. Got this one in from Brandon, and he said, I was listening to your, your episode. You guys were talking about lawn and also pasture spraying, and uh, you are talking to somebody named Lauren. He was talking about fertilizer with the pre-emerge and post-emerge with dicamba. Uh, didn't really talk about what products you were using. So if you think we about did. I, I'm sorry. I held that question back, Darren, because I, I didn't have a chance to look that up. But, um, yeah, Lauren sent us again to what that, that information was. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he did. I Now I know what you're talking about. I, I don't believe I was here for that nope, you weren't. portion of that show. I'll let you look that up really quick and I'll, oh, I guess we got just a minute left. You know, if you do have questions, I guess this is, I should just bring yep. this up. If you have questions as things are going with the show, don't be afraid. Send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Uh, you can you can call in. You don't necessarily have to be on the air if if you just want to get a question answered. You can you can just let Janelle know, or or if Alex is working that day on on the phone lines, they'd be happy to take your call. Okay, so it was this three in one thing: dicamba, panoxalam, and indazaflam. So I and I apologize. I don't remember indazaflam, which which that is exactly. But anyway, those are the active ingredients: uh, dicamba, panoxalam. And in Dazaflam. And what was the and, name of that three-way product? Um, it's uh, hang on here. It's just some company's three-in-one mix. I had to. The print was so small, I had to zoom in to see what the active ingredient was. That's usually the way it goes, you know. Uh, Bio Advanced Three-in-One Weed and Feed for Southern Lawns. Yeah, thanks for for asking the question, Brandon. That's uh, you know, there is a lot of weed control in the fall going out on lawns and pastures as well. So it's not just uh, uh, something setting yourself up for a spring corn or soybean crop. Uh, getting weeds under control in your lawn, for example, is a great way, or pasture, it's a great way to get better grass growth, get it thickened up, and allow it to compete a lot more favorably when it comes to springtime. Thanks for the question, and thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.